okay, we're going to put you in the middle of like the boonies. <laughs> There's going to be no civilization around you. This is going to be like goats. Don't do that. Just don't do that to yourself. Hey guys, welcome back to the Kodakara podcast. This week we have Dorian, who is an assistant language teacher in Japan. And this interview was was really good and really long, so we decided to cut it up in two parts. And in the first part, we're going to talk about Dorian's journey to Japan and how he got into Japan and his journey in learning Japanese. And in the second part, we're going to talk about his uh, sort of struggles and things he had to overcome being a language teacher in Japan. So things such as like discrimination, uh, hurdles, hurdles from being a gaijin, and more. So make sure you guys tune in next week to hear part two with Dorian when he gets really in-depth about his experience being an ALT in Japan. Also, really big news, we're finally on Apple Podcasts. So please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us there as well. Thank you guys for listening to Kodakara Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Korekara Podcast. We're back at it with episode 7. It's already been all this time. We're already out here. Today, we have a very special treat. We got a special guest, and that special guest is Dorian, a Japanese ALT. And we're so excited to have you. Eric, what do you got to say, man? Yeah, so this is our first episode with a guest, and Dorian is a old friend of Raza's from back when he was studying abroad in Japan, and Dorian's back in Japan now, and he's working as ALT, and we're excited to ask some questions about that. So, Dorian, can you tell us, uh, like, how you got into Japan, and, like, why you decided to go to Japan in the first place? Um, so, uh, I want to say it was around 2016... I came out to Japan to study abroad, and uh, you know I I really enjoyed um, the experience, you know, learning Japanese and and you know for the most part, you know, I enjoyed uh, meeting new people, you know, learning the language and uh, trying different things. Like I would never try raw food a day in my life, you know, but you know, it just just it opened my eyes to so much more out there. So when I came back to America, I just felt empty, you know, just like yeah. uh, it's just something was missing. And, you know, Raza was a big uh, uh, friend, you know, back when uh, I was out there. So I decided that, like, you know, I want to have those kind of experiences again. And uh, I decided to come out here last March. Uh, so March of 2019. Uh, and I became a, a AOT, which is assistant language teacher. So basically, I teach English to uh, students of elementary schools, uh, junior high schools, and um, it's a really good experience. Um, I, I honestly like it. Just it's I can't I can't really put it into words how much I love being a foreigner and being out of my element because I'm learning something new every day. Um, so yeah, that's how I ended up getting out here. You know, I, I started putting in the applications around, I want to say August, September of my senior year at college. And I already had like three or four job offers before I graduated. So, you know, get my, my advice is to get that stuff done early. If you're trying to go to another country, especially Japan, and 
Yeah, it, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about it later, but the the experience is definitely an interesting one. Mm-hmm. So did you always know that you were going to come back to Japan after your study abroad experience? I mean, after I studied abroad, I know like it, it sounds crazy, but I've always felt like my heart was still in Japan, even when I came back. And it just did not feel right. Like um, even the diet, man, is completely different. So, you know, I would eat like sushi and, you know, uh, rice all the time. And then like when I get back to America, it's like, all right, it's time for them burgers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> get yeah. burgers, they're making cheese. You know, I can't even eat that anymore because, you know, like uh, when I came back to America, I found out I was lactose intolerant. And I was like, yo, it just ruined like <laughs> everything. It's like came in and did you like that? <laughs> For real, like, because, you know, we got Moss Burger in Japan. We got, you know, all these. I mean, you got McDonald's, of course. You got all these different places. And then when I went back that first week I was in America, I ate, like, a little small uh, Burger King, like, mini Whopper or something. And when I tell you I couldn't eat for the whole day, just yeah. off of that one burger, I was like, wow. Like, it, like Japan really changes you, like, inside and out. The appetite just like went inside out. Like it really did. It really did. Like that Disney movie, it, it had me all kinds of. The little, the hey, little shout red out inside out, bro. Yeah, you know the little, the little red emojis. Just like ah, yeah. got the fire, the flames coming out. Yeah, that's what happened when I ate that burger. <laughs> oh man. So I was like, yeah, nah, I, I gotta go back. But it, my heart was just really there. Like I just loved exploring and you know seeing different places. Like even when I was like lost. You know, I still like was just like, wow, like everything's so beautiful here. Everything's so nice and, you know, uh, clean and things like that. So I really enjoyed um, everything. And yeah, I mean, I just I honestly feel like, uh, you know, I always wanted to be out here and I always wanted to experience something new. So even if it was not Japan, you know, because I thought about Korea, you know, uh, Thailand, other places to teach, but Japan is the the place that I was most comfortable with because I speak Japanese. Uh-huh. So. so I guess going back to the whole getting into the actual ALT job, so I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of our audience may be wondering like how exactly you get into it, what exactly application process is like. So can you give us, shed a little bit of light onto that process? Okay, so um, basically what you would do is um, you can use a variety of different websites. For example, there's Glassdoor. There's uh, mm-hmm. also uh, a very popular one called Gaijin Pot, which um, Gaijin in Japanese just means foreigner. So you can look on those type of websites and find a list of jobs. And it doesn't necessarily have to be teaching. It could be IT work. It could be uh, international office or recruiting. Um, there's all kinds of different jobs, technical jobs that you can do. But if you want to be a teacher, um, just click in that education section and you'll find a list of jobs and their criteria. Maybe you need a bachelor's degree. Some even say that you only need an associate's degree. Um, You just have to know exactly what you want and what you're looking for. And some jobs, unfortunately, will tell you you have to be already a resident in Japan before um, applying. So those... For people who are living outside of Japan, unfortunately, you wouldn't be able to get those. But um, 
the company that I'm in right now uh, is a type of company where uh, they usually cater to people that are coming from another country to Japan, and you would be basically uh, having an interview with people, and mm -hmm. uh, the interview would consist of a lot of different just topics, basically, what would you do in these type of situations? Um, what is the best possible uh, outcome if this scenario happens? And uh, what kind of teacher are you? Why do you want to do teaching? Why do you want to be in a different country? And if you just have all those questions prepared, you'll probably get the job. Um, so these interviews were done over the internet, like while you were still in America? Yes. So I did most of these interviews through Skype. Um, and then some of these companies actually ask you to do interviews. So you might have, well, not just interviews, but like a specific type of like demo lesson interview. And you'll have to like maybe prepare like three minute, five minute, uh, I guess, lesson. So maybe it will consist of like head, shoulders, knees and toes, uh, or like a simple song. And then you would get into maybe teaching like three to five words in English and use gestures, use props, different things like that. It depends on the job. I didn't have to do that for mine, but there were some interviews where I had to have something prepared. Also, did you choose, was there a particular reason why you decided to become an ALT? Was it related to something you studied in college? Um, honestly, I mean, other than Japanese, I don't think there was anything else that really got me, you know, uh, I guess, in the 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 mindset of being like, oh, yeah, I want to be a, a teacher, you know, like I've always loved communicating with people. I've always loved talking and um, really sharing my story. So I thought of it as an opportunity to spread my culture um, more so as a teaching English uh, type of thing, which I mean, I do, I teach English, but at the same time, I teach my culture as well. So for example, uh, this past Thursday, I just had a whole lesson where I just told the teachers, screw the textbook. We're just going to go straight into, um, what we call Izuchi, which is basically, um, um, words that we use as interjections. So instead of just, Hey, my name is, I like, uh, green, I can play baseball and you don't say anything. It's a boring conversation. So if it's like, okay, you know, my name is uh, Dorian. I like um, switch. And you're like, oh, wow, really? You know, like those type of words. Like, oh, I see. Oh, me too. You know, so I'm getting people more engaged with that. And mm -hmm. that's just a part of uh, culture that Japanese people can also re can relate to too. Because in Japanese, you don't just say those things and you're just like sitting there like a brick wall. Like, okay, mm -hmm. cool. All right, bye bye. Like <laughs> you're gonna yeah. respond like, "Oh, really? You like that? Okay, me too." Or I know this too. Like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, that's really what I love. Uh huh. Anyway, I guess getting back to ALT and all the people interested in maybe actually going as an English teacher to Japan. So, like you're saying, there's some jobs that you have to be a Japanese citizen to take. But for for jobs like ALT. Will they sponsor your visa coming into Japan, and for how long? Um, as far as visa, like, it's really tricky. Um, like, 
because a lot of people like they have this broad image of like oh i'm gonna be in a new country i want to stay forever you know like i want to just you know have anime like it don't work like that (laughs) (laughs) you know if you're gonna go for a, a job in japan or a job in any country you have to check the visa first and what type of visa you're getting um for me um i have a what what do we call it uh instructor visa so i am like specifically in this country to teach so there is no other uh type of job that i can do with this visa if i want to do a different job then you can get other visas such as like a humanitarian visa or there's a technical visa where it's more about technology and doing uh technical work Mm -hmm. um so yeah, there's uh, different visas, but you just have to know what kind of visa you're getting uh, with that company. So that's a good question to ask during an interview. Like, what visa are you willing to sponsor for me? Was that a difficult process, like getting the visa? Um, surprisingly, it wasn't. Um, I actually got uh, my visa like within the next week, like right after I got the, uh, what we call the... Uh, what is it? Certificate of eligibility. Yeah, that's COE. Like once you get that joint, bro, just go to your uh, local embassy and it takes about a week after that and then you're good to go. Usually they'll give you a receipt once you submit it. Be like, okay, it should be ready to pick up by this day. I see. Yeah, it's really easy. You just got to make sure that uh, nothing you know, crazy happens. I've had a, a, a interesting story. Um, I, I might as well share it now. So long story short, I was working for, uh, I was doing interviews with two different companies. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a COE already like ready for the company that I was going to join. There was another company that I forgot to actually send the email saying that I declined their company or I refused the the job offer. They went ahead and sent the COE to the Japanese embassy before I even had a chance to send it to uh, the Washington DC embassy where, you know, is the most current one. I mean, the the closest one to me at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was a big problem. Like the company I wanted was just like, yo, what are you doing? Like there's another company that sent you know, paperwork, and it's like, you have to choose. And when I told them the situation, like, yo, oh, no, I don't want this company. I want, you know, you guys. And then they told me, okay, well, there's a policy, you know, within our company where if something happens like this, you still got to wait like another three months um, until, you know, we can reissue that um, COE. So long story short, I had to decline both companies because I already bought my ticket to Japan. Oh wow! Yeah, it's like yeah. the company's got two times got cheated on. Basically, <laughs> yes, basically, I went two times. <laughs> and then the in the end, nobody wants you. A <laughs> hey, life lesson, guys: don't be cheaters. <laughs> uh, my mom's like, um, so what you been doing? <laughs> yeah, so then at that point. You you went to you went you went to Japan without actually having the actually having your teaching job then with any company. 
So I, I did. Um, it was very last minute. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I got the interview for the company I'm currently in. And then right then and there, they were like, all right, we got the information. We got the job offer. We got everything good, ready to go. And as soon as I got that information, I got the emails. I immediately printed it out, went to D.C. and mm. got the, uh, the visa within that next week. So it was very last minute, but it, it worked out. I see. And what about housing? Did you have any problems with that? Because I've, I've heard about stories where uh, for Gaijin or foreigners, it's, it's difficult to find places to rent. Like some places will specifically not rent to foreigners. Mm, yes, 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 and yes. So when I first got hired, um, we did a training. And in the training, um, there was um, like, uh, I guess there was a problem going on because they usually use these type of apartments called Leo Palace. Um, it's very infamous in Japan. Uh, if you talk to anybody who's lived in Japan, they're going to be like, oh, God, you know, <laughs> you were in those. And they're really small, like, small-ass apartments. Uh, oh. I had a studio apartment, and it was really, like, not cool, you know. It, it, but more was, like, the... Long story short, like I actually did end up getting the house, I mean, the uh, apartment um, that I needed. Uh, it was a studio apartment. Some people had to wait a long time because there was like flooding going on and like some interior oh. problems. Um, mm. So yeah, they had to remodel basically everything. And um, yeah, housing, it, it depends on what you're looking for. Because if you're just one person, you know, like a 1K or 1DK is pretty easy to find. Um, for me, in my current, I guess, condition, I'm in a 3DK, and it's just me. So I'm kind of balling right now. <laughs> you know, like, I got my little my little Japanese tatami mat room. You know, I got my playroom. So I'm like, I got my, my, my weights in there. I got my, uh, you know, my equipment in there, you know, if I want to make videos or whatnot. So it's like, it's it's nice. But you have to be careful about some of the pricing and research the neighborhood, you know, because there's some neighborhoods, you know, you got Yakuza out here, you know, so the real cheap stuff might have, you know, Yakuza owned um, apartments and you don't know about it or <laughs> they don't thoroughly check and there's like mold. <laughs> so have you actually ever run into any Yakuza? I, yeah, actually the other day oh, wow. <laughs> oh wow. there was like this dude like on the train i was going back home because i had to go to the dentist and this dude like crouched down like literally right next to me and he's not even sitting uh he's not even standing up on the train he was crouched down like you know how they do like the little asian squats <laughs> so, like, he was doing like <laughs> Oh, he was just doing like Asian squat, like right next to me. He was just like on the phone and he's like real loud. And one thing, if you know about Japanese culture, you do not, and I repeat, you do not stay on the phone while you're on a train or on a bus. You don't do that. So if people do that, then it's really considered rude. And he was wearing all black. He was tatted up. So I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely Yakuza. <laughs> 100% had the blonde hair I'm like yeah 100% oh. 
And, and just for you guys that don't know, having tattoos is a little taboo in Japan. And usually you can't really be seen around it because it's really always associated to Yakuza. <laughs> yeah, a lot it's, of onsen places will actually ban you from entering if you have tattoos that are visible. Yeah, you have to actually cover them up to actually be able to use the onsen. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I forgot to ask Dorian, like, wh- where are you located in Japan? Are you in Tokyo? Um, so I'm currently in this place called Koshigaya. Uh, so it's, uh, it's in Saitama, which is like right above Tokyo. So Tokyo, for people who don't know, it's not just a city. Okay. It's, it's a prefecture. It's a whole state. Uh, and, um, right above Tokyo is another prefecture called Saitama. And so the closest areas to Tokyo for me are, um, this, uh, two places, uh, one called Asakusa. Um, and then another place called uh, Tokyo Skytree. I think a lot of people have seen that on Google, like the big Skytree Tower. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And if you guys um, haven't watched our previous episode already, we actually talked about the Tokyo Skytree. So go check yeah. that out in the previous episode. Yep. <laughs> Get on it, man. Get on it. All right, so now now we got our boy Dorian out here. You've moved into Japan, and except the thing is, this time it's not study abroad, Dorian. It's working, Dorian. So would you? So would you? <laughs> so would you say you had any, I guess, differences this time around? Any anything that was tough right off the bat, or any maybe like a honeymoon phase where you found something really good? Yeah, I think like the honeymoon phase was when I first got to Japan. You know, like. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, just being back in the fresh air and just being, you know, in a place where I felt like I was at home and, you know, I had the training, uh, going on with my company and, you know, we were just having fun, you know, with it and learning new things about teaching. And so that was really nice. Um, being in my new apartment, like it was the first time I've ever had a place where it was just me by myself, you know, like. I really enjoyed, you know, having my own space. I've always had an apartment with other people, you know. So for me, it was just really nice to have uh, a place of my own. Um, and, you know, just walking around, seeing the different streets, seeing the different uh, views. Oh, if I go, you know, walk five minutes here, there's, you know, Uniqlo. Or there's GU. Oh, I walk like 10 minutes here. Oh, there's a, you know, uh, Moss Burger, McDonald's or something. Or like... Uh, oh, there's ramen place over here, like two minutes. Uh, there's Yauko, there's a supermarket, like literally two minutes from my part. Like everything was just so nice to just get the layout of. And there's different uh-huh. uh, shrines, temples. So that was the honeymoon phase. It was just, everything was just big, bright, fun. Like, yeah. oh, I like, you know, there's so much. I can <laughs> yeah. just use a, a card to get like a, a, a bottle, you know, to drink. Or I could just, you know, it, it was it was great. But it fades. And it fades quick. <laughs> you know, it, that's that's um, the reality. And that's that's anywhere in life, you know. It, it's um, Once it becomes about work and it becomes more professional, you're not a student anymore. You're not a kid. Um, you got to worry about bills. When those first couple bills came in, like my, my salary and how much uh, uh, my bills costed for the first, I want to say, a couple months, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the reality sets in very quick, very very quick. I see. So, 
what would you say were maybe like what was like the toughest thing you had to go and face right off the bat then was it the bills or did you maybe run into anything maybe related to the alt maybe something from training or just like actually getting into the job mm. i think more like when as as far as the working like teaching in japan i think mm -hmm. more than actually the bills themselves like for my place it was more of my habits that i had to change and adjust so for example you know if i got a paycheck and i'm like all right well I could, i'm gonna just go ahead and get all my bills out the way first and then i just go hey let's talk about that switch though you know and i just <laughs> I go in, I'm just like, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy that, and buy this, and buy that. And then you realize, though, what are you going to eat? You know? And then you end up eating ramen for an entire, you know, three weeks. Uh -huh. Or, you know, it, you, you really have to think about what are you willing to accommodate for yourself? Are you willing to um, sacrifice your, like, needs as far as clothing, food, uh, you know, toiletries like in your house or those things just for the expense of buying games or um, maybe things that you won't necessarily need or use, you know, like that, that was a habit of mine that I had to adjust to and really grow up. It's part of growing up. And um, uh, as far as the teaching aspect, Teaching is not what I thought it would be. Like you have to basically be um, an assistant. That's what our uh, contract states. That's what ALT stands for is assistant. So you're not making the lessons. The teacher makes the lessons. Uh -huh. So you do the best you can to support that teacher with your English and um, pronunciation. But at the end of the day, you're not the main teacher. And it was really difficult for me because I like to talk a lot as you guys are <laughs> witnessing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so for ALT, do you go out to a, like a local high school or middle school to help the teachers? Uh, yeah. So um, usually ALTs will work in a elementary school or a middle school, but high school, I, I haven't really heard of those cases a lot. Um, more, more so than going up, usually ALTs will go down. So maybe kindergarten, preschool, I've heard of those before. Uh -huh. um, but mostly it would be elementary to uh, middle school. What do you think of the work-life balance of being ALT? Like, how many hours a day do you work? Um, so it's actually pretty good for people who are used to the 9 to 5 jobs. Like, I work 8.30 to 4.15, and that's like... Pretty simple, pretty uh, manageable. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Um, there are some jobs, like if you do a Kiowa, which is basically like private schooling, yeah. that is like, whew, yeah, like, I've heard that's pretty brutal. Like twelve hours a day sometimes. Yes, I mean you probably won't leave till like nine at night, ten at night, you know, and you gotta be ready for that, and uh, overtime too, you know. I see. So I guess like another problem I've heard a lot of for ALTs is the location and where you get placed. So, so you, you want to walk us through that entire process? So I was really worried about that. And during my interview, I told them like, I studied in Kawagoe 
And I'm like used to that area. So, uh-huh. you know, me, me and you, Rosa, we already know like everything yeah. up and down the Claire Mall, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the host families out there, like my homies, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. The, our school was nearby, so we could just like go to school, and be like, yo, what's up? You know, let's go get some food. So, you know, I was already familiar with that area. So, my uh, training was actually in a place called Fukushima, um, like Fukushima um, area. And it's like more, a little, little bit northern um, area, um, like right above uh, Saitama. And it was, it was very cold. Uh, I was I was not too uh, familiar with that place, but I knew I didn't want to be stationed there. I didn't want to work there. And so I kept begging and begging and begging. And I, I encourage anybody, if you do a job like this, like really hassle them. Be like, yo, I want to be in this place. If you say I'm down for anything, I will do anything for the company. I'm like, they will take that into consideration and be like, okay, we're going to put you in the middle of like the boonies. <laughs> there's gonna be no civilization around you this is gonna be like goats yeah. and, and 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 don't do that just don't do that to yourself um know what you want and know your value um because anytime i go into an interview it's not just about how i can be an asset to them it's how can they be a benefit to my life and you have to really ask those questions to be like what is it about this company that attracts people you know ask those questions so um to pivot back to um uh, what you mentioned, like, um, I really pushed for Kawagoe because Kawagoe is uh, very familiar to me. And during the training, like one of the last couple days, they will finally tell people exactly where they're going to be placed. And, uh, you know, some people were getting things left and right. And they were like, yeah, I'm going to be like, you know, Tochigi, which is like way up there. I'm being Gunma. And I'm like, ooh, all right, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. <laughs> like, good for you. And, you know, they they uh, had a problem with the whole Leo Palace situation, like I said earlier. So they were like, we have to put everybody in capsule hotels. And uh, if you don't know capsule hotel, it's really small hotels. Like, I'm yeah. like, is it, is that I'm, a temporary I'm pretty, thing? I'm like, it's a temporary thing. It's like maybe like a week that they had to do that. And look, I'm like six foot one. So, <laughs> so I was like, ah, there's no way my legs gonna fit in that mug. Like, so when they, they told me, it was like, um, yeah, so Dory, you, um, you're gonna be in uh, Kawagoe. So we're gonna set up a capsule hotel. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Say it again, say it again. Cause you're just too, too, too fast. Like, I just need to hear that again. And they were like, yeah, you're gonna be in Kawagoe. And I'm like, well, I got my host family. So, yeah, keep your money. Uh, I'm going to stay with them. So I stayed with them for a week. And it was fairly easy for me to get my location. I got exactly what I wanted. Um, that's nothing but a God thing. Like, that's a blessing. Yeah, I, I got Cowboy for the first year. Um, but placement is, it's up in the wind, man. You don't know what you're going to get. It's really nerve-wracking. And, like, if you know Japan already then it's scary because it's just like, oh, I don't want to be like in the middle of nowhere. I got to drive to work. I got to, you know, it's going to be snowing every day. Like, you don't know. Um, yeah, I've just heard of ALTs. Like, they're the only foreigner in the entire city. And it's really hard to yes. make friends. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> but I already had friends in Kawagoya, so it was like not as bad for me. And I speak Japanese. So I had a lot of Japanese friends um, that I made. So uh, that wasn't a big problem for me. But uh, my biggest advice, know the layout of Japan before you uh, apply to anything. Because if you have an interview, you should be able to ask them, you know, what are the top places um, that are in need right now? I want to be in a place like this. If you want to be in Tokyo, that's cool. Tell them. If you want to be in like somewhere like Yokohama or uh, somewhere more like suburban, um, Kawagoi is pretty suburban. You got to you gotta let them know. Because if you don't and you'll be like, oh, I'm willing to do anything. I just love anime. Okay, well, they're <laughs> going to they're gonna give you some anime books. And then they're going to send your ass to the boonies. <laughs> You're not going to have any friends. You're going to be like uh, little goats and, and, and squirrels. Like, nah, you, you, you're done. You're done. It's going to become um, like a nature anime, bro. For real, man. Yo, I'm going to make this new anime called Nature with the Furries. I'm like, what? Bro, <laughs> bro you ain't got no friends, man. Uh-uh, don't do that to yourself. Don't do that. <laughs> But for the placement, is it like the first year you're in Kawagoe, can you just keep that placement for the next year as well? Or do they switch it up every year? Good question. Um, it really depends on the performance and it really depends on the all inner workings of the school and board of education itself. So one thing I will say, and this is a little gripe of mine, with this type of job, um, you're an assistant teacher, but you're working under the guise that you are a hire from the company that you're working for, the English company. Mm. At the same time, you're working for a school or individual schools. Um, last year, I worked for two. This year, I worked for one. Mm. So you're working for the English company, but you're also working for the school or schools, multiple schools but you're also working for the Board of Education. So you have to follow the school's regulations, you have to follow your company's regulations, and you have to follow the Board of Education. And they're all interweaving and, and doing things on their own and trying to communicate. And sometimes English and Japanese gets miscommunicated, mistranslated into different things. And it's sometimes very complicated and difficult to handle so, so would you say in like those type of situations like having like a already having a basis in japanese or knowing like a decent amount of japanese helps you coming in to becoming an alt absolutely um for most alts coming into the workforce in japan uh the company prefers they don't require you to know japanese but they prefer if you know a little bit it'll take you a long way for, I mean, Raza, like you and I already know, like, we, we studied, you know, as much as we could back in uh, Japan uh, four years ago. So for me, I was already, you know, at a certain level. And I'm like, okay, well, I can have like a little, little conversation here and there in my Japanese. Mm -hmm. And it takes you like all the way to the touchdown goal because there's so many times where you'll get, uh, lesson plans, and they're all in Japanese. 
And you're just like, what in the world? And you're like struggling, trying to get your Google Translate going. And then at the same time, you're like, okay, what do I do? But for me, I can speak Japanese. So I was like, okay, why don't I just talk to these teachers and ask them <laughs> what to do? And if you can do that, it, it really solves all of your problems. For a lot of ALTs, they can't speak Japanese. So by the time it gets to the day of the lesson and you do your lesson, everything's out of whack because the Japanese teacher has like a very detailed lesson plan and you only have like a fraction of what you know you have to do. And you're just like sitting there like a deer in headlights and they're looking at you like, hey, can, can you say this in English? Like, did you read, you know, the, the lesson material? And it's like, if you don't know, if you can't read or you can't speak, I can't read that well. I can read a little bit. But if you can talk to the teachers, it changes everything. And you're bound to get that same school for the next year and build that report within the teachers and the principals, uh, vice principal and uh, head principal and head teacher. Like you will get that, uh, that connection if you know some Japanese. So it really helps me a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, what was like the process of learning Japanese? Like, was it really difficult in the beginning? How long did it take for you to be able to speak Japanese? Um, well, for me, I started uh, freshman year of college, so I didn't know how to speak at all. I just knew like uh, hiragana, katakana, which is um, like two of the most basic, you know, forms of the alphabet. Mm -hmm. and, and I basically got that down within like two weeks um, of college. And like in my school, they said by the midterm, if you don't know how to write that, then you're done. Like you're going to fail. So I really grinded on that, but I couldn't speak. It really wasn't until I studied abroad where I started getting out of this mindset of I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I can't do this. Um, class is too difficult. You got to get all that, that, that negativity and all of that. Um, pressure out of your head and just say, yo, whatever happens, happens. Study abroad is a great experience and you just got to go for it. Just even if you make a mistake, just go for it. And once you have that mindset and once you, you find a way to tap into like what, not just what do I want to say, but how would a Japanese person say it? You start asking yourself those questions and, and really getting on the grind of your personal study and really uh, uh, ex like uh, not explaining, but speaking it out loud. You really got to just do it. Like for me, when I studied abroad, I was in my host family's house uh, every night and I would literally stay up until like two or three in the morning, just practicing how to say uh, different phrases, different words. And like, I mean, this is kind of embarrassing, but I would watch Netflix like, every night <laughs> just uh -huh. listening to Japanese people. So the first first time I would watch something, it would be like in subtitles in English. And I'm like, oh snap, I didn't know I could say it. Like what the, okay. You know, uh -huh. rewind that. And then I just keep listening, keep listening. And then I say it and say it and just keep saying it. And then when you dream, you're saying it in your brain. So by the time you wake up, it's already, it's in there. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't know it, you're gonna like in conversation, you just like, remember it like on a split second you're like wow how did I remember that because you're constantly like feeding yourself um the information that you want to know 
in school, they don't teach you necessarily everything that you want to say. Um, and it's not just about speaking Japanese. It's about wanting to convey your feelings like that's in your, mm -hmm. your head at that time. Mm -hmm. So I've had such a big passion for it and such a, uh, I guess, need and yearn for saying exactly how I feel that I started getting different materials. I would get, you know, different books, books, books. It, it's not for everybody. I'm not a book person. So I would get a book and, you know, it just would go out of my brain in two seconds. So I started watching things. Uh, Netflix really like is what really got my, I guess, accent the way that it is now. Uh, so, you know, first time watch it with subtitles and then second time challenge yourself and just don't watch with anything. And that's how I built up my Japanese level and listen to people when they talk. If you don't know something, just be like, hey, y'all, can you say that again? Like, <laughs> well, mm -hmm. what was that? Or, you know, and I would I would just talk to random people. And if they talk super fast, you just be like, all right, cool. <laughs> I don't know what you just said. Can you say that again, bro? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, just, just, you know, fake it till you make it until you make it. Because you will, you know, if you, if you keep trying at it. And just don't be afraid to talk to different people. Yeah, actually, like, me and Raza talked about it in our first episode when we talked about how, like, it's just, it's not the classroom that'll make you good, but it's just having a lot of input and immersion so that you know which phrases work well and you have the mindset of like speaking something when you know is correct versus like trying to do a formula that you learn in class. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Like you got to have your own formula and you got to really put in um, your voice and you have to really start, you have to engage. If you don't give the teacher what the teacher wants, that engagement, then you're not going to get anything from that class. And now I'm seeing it vice versa now that I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm, if, if the students aren't like uh, guessing or asking questions, then they're not going to get anything out of the class. And I, that's why I always say like mistakes are okay. And I got mm -hmm. in big words and I, I, you know, if they really don't get it, then I'll say it in Japanese, but I'm like, it's okay to make mistakes because that's what helps you grow um, into the person that you want to be. Also, I'm curious, like, after your study abroad, there was a period of three years when you were in America, right? So during that time, were you able to maintain your Japanese or uh, did, were you still able to like find Japanese friends and talk to them? Like, yes and no. Um, <laughs> like, I would uh, sometimes get on the phone with some of my friends, but the time zones were really you know, different, not a whack. So it was hard to do that. Um, I did study Japanese when I went back. Uh, my Japanese teacher, I was just like messaging her yesterday about uh, my situation and, you know, how life is here. And um, I, yeah, I, I kind of talked her into the current formula of her classes now, which is basically every Thursday, she makes the students only speak Japanese. And that really helped me because it helped me keep my Japanese to the level that it is. And um, I just didn't have anyone to talk to like in Japanese at that time. So, um, but a really funny story. I was actually working for Wegmans, um, which is like a, a supermarket that's like out on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And um, there would be some Japanese people that would come in every now and then. And I was like, hey, oh, snap. And, like, I worked in, like, the fish area. So it was, like, really, like, 
<laughs> you know, there was yeah. a lot of Japanese people looking for a specific type of fish or they were looking for squid or something like that. And mm -hmm. like, you know, they would, you know, ask questions. And then my manager, or like some my coworkers were just like, hey, doing like, yeah. pretty sure that the person's Japanese. It was like, what? Oh, no, they'll ask me, they'll be like, Chinese, Japanese, like Korean, what you think? And then I, it's weird because like being in another country, you can tell. So I was like, by the accent, I was like, yeah, that's Chinese. That's mm -hmm. Chinese. But when someone came and I could tell they were Japanese, I was like, <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, I, I have that feeling too. It's like when you're studying Japanese, you always try to listen harder if you if you like hear some Japanese, oh, what are they saying? You try to like understand. Yes. I was like, yo, I, I <laughs> and especially if they have kids, because the kids, they're they have no filter. They're gonna say Japanese, they're not even gonna try. So I was like, yo. So I started making friends at uh, the workplace because they would uh, ask me questions like, um, where's this specific meat? Or like, you know, where can I get this um, this type of cheese or something? And I was like, well, you know, this isn't the, I'm like, I work in the fish section, but you know, if you want to, you know, get meats or cheese, like I can show you that area. And I would say in Japanese, like, oh, you speak Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I speak a little, little something, something, something. You know, they, like, they invited me to some barbecues in like the local areas. And it wasn't far from where I lived. It's like 15 minutes away from where I lived, where these Japanese people lived and made connections there. Um, one of the guys I met who has a family, um, he was uh, working, it was like a part-time job or like, I don't know if he was getting a master's or something, but he was in Johns Hopkins. Mm -hmm. And so now he's currently in Nagoya. And so, you know, I've been talking to him, you know, lately and you know just making those connections while i was still in america before i you know could get a chance to come back out here so it was hard it was definitely hard to keep my language definitely so then you would like recommend if people i guess are thinking about coming to japan in that meantime before they go there to try and make as many connections with japanese people as they can like online or close by like physically although i guess it's a little harder to do that now <laughs> yeah i know because all this <laughs> yeah. this this wrong uh, <laughs> absolutely bro i i 100 agree you know try to go online um get a a tutor or just make friends you know in uh who speak japanese um also, you know, if you run into people, if, if there's a local, like, Japanese, like, town or, like, Korea, like, whatever, you know, you can easily, you know, just make those connections. And um, if you keep that, you know, you keep those connections, you'll be able to continue that sh the, the, the uh, strengthening of your ability. And if you don't really take the time to do that, it's going to go down especially in a country where you don't really speak that language. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but even if there's no Japanese people around you, like people can still immerse themselves with Japanese, like Japanese Netflix or Japanese YouTube. And like, that's probably like the next best thing to like having a lot of Japanese friends. Yes. That's the next best thing right there. But as of now, do you, do you still want to improve your Japanese? Are there goals you're still trying to reach with Japanese or are you kind of satisfied with your current level? I'm kind of, I'm kind of at a crossroads. It's a good question. I'm kind of at a crossroads because the only really goal I had for learning Japanese was to explain my uh, myself and really convey my feelings. So 
now I've really gotten to that point where I can do that. But at the same time, I need more vocabulary and I need more, uh, I guess, grammar to really help out with what I want to say. So um, really, that's 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 uh, that's a good question, because I really don't know at this point. And I'm like kind of struggling between like what's what's the next thing to do here? What 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 can challenge me? What can improve my ability? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, that's, that's where I'm currently at right now is deciding that, you know. Hey, thanks for listening to the Kodakara podcast. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dorian. Make sure to tune in next week, though, because this conversation is not over yet. We have, we're going to be releasing part two next week where Dorian goes more in depth about all the struggles of being an ALT and all the good and bad and ups and downs of of his uh, time in Japan. So make sure you tune in next week. In the meantime, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would really help us out a lot. And if you like the podcast, you can join our Discord too and talk to us at any time. Peace.